everybody recovered from yesterday? Uh, it was kind of like, meh. It's a thing, right? Well, praise God, we get to be here to worship and learn. I'm a little excited. The worksheet is a little lighter today than it normally is, and uh, we'll, we'll do that shortly. The whacked out simple stuff. And so tonight, for whacked out simple stuff, we'll do something just a little bit different, a little bit simple, a little bit easy. And I'm going to talk about Tuesday night service. It came up this week. I was talking to somebody, and they said, well, when I was growing up, we always had a, uh, we always had a Wednesday service. Why Wednesday or why Tuesday? Does anybody know why? Because we're different. Because <laughs> we're different. A lot of people do Tuesday. That's true, right? Uh, I mean, a lot of people do Wednesday, actually. That's true. Why would you do Wednesday? Middle of the week. Middle of the week, right? Okay, so you have Sunday, and then you get a couple days life, and it starts to get a hold of your mind. Things are going on, whatever. And then you have Wednesday. You focus on God, do Bible study, right? And then you go back Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you're back on Sunday. So it breaks up the week, okay? And so uh, whether it's Tuesday, and that's only really Monday in between, and then we do from Tuesday. We've got from Tuesday to Sunday. That's a, kind of a long gap, right? But there's nothing biblical about it. The truth is, how often should you be reading your Bible? Every day. Every day. It's an easy answer, right? So every day, and, and, and even when you're not reading it, you should be living it, thinking about it, doing whatever it is that you know to do from it, holding on to that which you have already attained, right? And we do that by memorizing the Word and studying and all that kind of stuff. How often should you be praying? All the time. Yeah, lots, right? Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says pray without ceasing. And that's kind of hard to pray when you're sleeping. But you can go to bed with a prayerful attitude and wake up with a prayerful attitude, uh, right? And then kind of pray all day long. Um, And actually, you kind of can pray all the time if you think about it. Like people, you're always having self-thought. People have doubt. People have, oh, I think I could do this or I think I might do that. Whatever, you're always having thoughts running through your mind. You can train those thoughts to be aimed at or to God or asking God or talking to God. And just like that, suddenly, you're praying uh, all the time. Okay? How about giving and service? How often should we be giving and serving? A lot. Okay, always. You're going to say one of those two? Okay. Yeah, so it's a lot, right? Um, Jesus said, the greatest amongst you shall be your servant. And so... It's a great opportunity to serve when the body comes together. There are people who will teach, people who work, people who prepare the desserts, like whatever, you know, people who pay to keep the lights on. That's giving, right? That kind of thing. And so we could get together on Thursdays, although that would interfere with you, Bible study too. So we could do Tuesday and Thursday. We could do Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And if there ever was a time where we really needed to be plugged into God for some reason, something amazing was happening in our country, or we were under a lot of persecution, or there was a lot of trouble or difficulty, or that kind of thing, we might meet more often. We've had a time where we had a service, had a break, and had another service. So that could happen. You could come on a Sunday and we'd be like, hey, we're all getting together again in another hour for more Bible, more Word, more God working in us, right? So it's not just a matter of just Tuesdays and Sundays. When we started this church, we said it was going to be an all, an everyday, all week thing. And so I encourage you to go out and live with the Lord all week long. So we do Tuesday nights, as the artist said, because we're a little bit different. Okay? We could have done Wednesday, and sometime it might be Wednesday, but it's been Tuesday for the last... 20 years, and that probably, well, about 15 years, so that probably hasn't changed. So. But it could. If you wanted to, it could. 
We decided as a church. And then why do we do it the way we're doing it right now? Because we as a church decided to do it this way. That's all. It's not me. It's not one guy hiding in a corner writing the checks. Right? It's the church. We decided as a church to do it the way we're currently doing it. Okay? And so if we decide next month to do Wednesday instead of Tuesday as a church, then we switch it to Wednesday. Right? We make those decisions as a church. All right, so let's pray together, and then we'll do another song of worship, then release the kids, then a song, and then go to Father in heaven, I thank you for this evening. Uh, Lord, it's still Christmas to us. Uh, some of us are uh, kind of shaking off the sugar from yesterday, or the tired because we did a lot. We went around to folks' houses, or we got together with our family, or we sat uh, at home uh, with our nuclear family, I guess you could say our close family. Um, there was a lot of shopping in a lot of cases, and there was some crafting, and there was, there was just a lot going on. And um, But we want to be busy for you all the time. We want to be focused on you all the time. As we worship you now, even if it's only a couple songs, it really isn't a real long time. I thank you for those who blocked out this time to be here tonight to learn something more from you and about you. And I ask you to work in this place as you see fit. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>
right, at this time, we'll let the children and their leaders go to their classrooms. passed out, I want to um, want to share with you that on Sunday, I talked about how I personally had been under some attacks, and uh, and I had been struggling with anger, and uh, how the one particular time I'd been struggling with anger, I'd ask for God's joy, as we talked about in our Bible study, to devour, or in our Sunday service, to devour my anger, and it worked. And then, uh, so, uh, so since then, I'd love to say to you, everything's been great, um, but what actually has happened is I have been under attack today. Um, my, I, I broke a water pipe at my house uh, this morning, and so I heard like a sound like a gunshot, and then water was draining all over the floor in our laundry room, and it rolls down into Ariana's room, and it broke at the bottom of our hot water tank, which meant there was no hot water in the house, and so I'm out there... Uh, struggling to try to get the water turned off, and I did, and then I had an hour and a half, two hours spent cleaning up all the water, and then about an hour and a half trying to figure out how to fix the pipe, and then went to the store and bought the stuff and fixed the pipe, only to find out that the pipe had another leak in another spot, and so then that was another hour figuring that out and putting a, a different valve on so I could at least get some water operational in the house, and so yeah, that's what my day has been like today, but the good thing is I have not been angry in the midst of all of that. 
even when I was sitting down there as the service began and I broke the little clip that holds my microphone and I thought, things are just breaking like crazy. But I didn't get mad. I just figured out some other way. So if this looks a little goofy, I apologize. Uh, it's different the way I normally clip it because I broke the little clip. Okay? All right. So we are going to talk about the, today's lesson is bait or no bait. And in case you're not 100% familiar with fishing, this is kind of the way fishing works. I was going to have Larry do this, but I didn't want to put him on the spot. Um, this is a fishing reel that has a whole lot of dust on it because it was in storage for a real long time because I've been fishing a real long time. But this here line goes up through these little hoopy things. And this is a heavy-duty fishing reel, right? And this is a heavy-duty line. And this would catch you a big old fish. In fact, in our waters, Larry will probably tell you, might not catch all that many fish because this line is so thick they might see it. Yeah, good for bigger fish, right? So it goes up through these holes like this. And then once it gets through the holes over here, it comes off and it goes to maybe a bobber, if you're going to use a bobber to kind of keep your, water, your hook at a certain level in the water, but then it goes to a hook, okay? You might have a sinker on the line too to keep the hook stretched down low, that kind of thing. Um, but the hook is what's dangerous. The hook is what gets the fish. Or so you would think, okay? Because if you just put a hook in, a in the water, um, probably not going to catch all that much fish, right, Larry? Where you're at. There might be a few places. There might be a few places. If you put them where they're spawning, uh, like bluegill especially, where they're spawning, you drop a hook in there and they might jump right on it, uh, that kind of thing, because they just think it's a bug in the water or something. They're kind of dumb and whatever. Yeah, something shiny, whatever. So the point is the bait can be key um, to get the fish on the hook. But we're not talking about hooking fish, we're talking about hooking people. And I wish it was in the context of the fishers of men uh, that we could talk about that, but actually that's a net, not hooks at all, right? We net people, we don't hook them. And so um, we teach them and then they, they realize, hey, I need to pay attention to this and they come to Christ. So, but really what we're talking about is hooks, the painful kind of catching fish. So you have your... Um, Worksheet, you'll see it's a little simpler than normal. I took it a little light today as far as like the total number of blanks and things that we have. By the time we are done, you will be able to circle either bait or no bait in the upper right-hand corner. But in the left upper left-hand corner right there, you have two blanks and the blanks go missing directions. That's the words that go in the blanks, missing directions. So the bottom line is this is what we live in, right? We don't know everything we're supposed to do. And we don't know exactly how we're supposed to do it. So as a child, you learn to wash yourself, to dress yourself, to feed yourself, to go to bed when you need to, and so on. Then as a teenager, you kind of rebel against a lot of those rules. And you go, well, do I really have to go to bed by 10? Maybe I can stay up till 1 and still get up for work on time. And you question all the, and you figure out what's, and then it goes through a cycle. And later you figure out that most of those things that you taught were taught actually was right after you make a lot of mistakes. I'm not judging teenagers. I was one. I'm talking about my own personal experience. That's kind of how it goes, right? You question a lot of things. Now, the sooner you adapt to what really needs to be done, right, the sooner you accept the right ways, the smoother it goes, right? So there are people who go through high school and they do their homework, they study, they listen, they take notes and whatever, and usually they get good grades, but that's not an, a necessary outcome. But what it is, it, it does flow pretty smoothly. It just kind of goes along. 
But if you don't know to do those things, then you have a problem. So we're dealing with missing directions, not knowing exactly what to do. Some years ago, um, we got a Lego set. I think Alicia was maybe a dozen years old or so. And we got a Lego set, and it was one of the first really big Lego sets that I had ever seen. It was probably about, I don't know, maybe a thousand pieces or something. And all those little Legos. Not the, you know, back in when I was a kid, Legos were big. And then they made them smaller and smaller and smaller. And you get little Legos now. Some of those pieces are so tiny. You clip them on there. And you're like, is it on there? Yeah, it's there. And you look at it from a distance and it makes a picture. But when you look at it up close, it just looks like nothing. This set of a thousand Legos, we, we first thought, oh, well, let's build something. So we built something out of it. And then after that, we put it away. And then we got it back out. We we're going to build something again. And the directions were missing. And we looked and looked and could not find the directions. And they might have gotten, it was, a, it was a Christmas present or a birthday present, whatever. They might have got thrown away with the wrapping paper, that kind of thing. But the bottom line is, we could not build what we were trying to build. If you've ever been there, you realize you can build a lot of things out of Legos. But without directions, it's hard to build what these massive things that take like 800 or 1,000 Legos and make it look exactly like what they show you, right? Well, life is kind of like that. In the midst of that, then, there are those who will say to you, you can do it this way. Here's the directions. Here's what you want. Here's the results that you're looking for, okay? And I, let me say to you that there are worldly benefits to betraying Jesus, okay? To not doing it God's way, to not doing it what God has taught you to do, there are worldly benefits to that. For example, if you go to work and you cut corners... You don't do it quite right, so you don't do it as if you're doing it for God. You do it, you cut corners, or maybe your boss tells you to cut corners, and you do it. Or you steal a little money here or there, but never so much that so you get caught, whatever. There's profit in that. There's money to be made. There's money in the bank, right? Now, there's a lack of integrity. You're going to struggle psychologically. You might have guilt issues. You always look and see somebody looking over your shoulder, very suspicious, paranoid, whatever. There's a lot of issues that can arise out of it. But in the meantime, there are benefits. But woe to those who take those benefits, because what looks good is more often than not bait. God is not surprised when people betray him. He knows all, even that which we cannot know. So when you choose to do something because it looks right, but you actually kind of know, eh, I don't think that's right, right? God knows, is it right or not? Why doesn't God just make it easy? Why don't you walk around and hear somebody doing something and you think, I don't know, that might be a sin and a, like a sign pops up. Or there's a glowing outline that says, don't go here, right? Dangerous, right? Or what is that saying from that game from a long time ago? The cake is a lie, right? Don't do that. It, does, it's, it may look good, but it's not. Well, in some sense, it is like that. God is very obvious. Um, but what God is really trying to teach us is how to be, right? Has anybody here ever dealt with a young person or somebody who had a question and you told them what to do and they did it and it worked? And then later they had a similar problem and they came back and asked what to do instead of just doing what you already told them to do, right? Because you told them what to do, not how to be, right? So uh, we have... Ariana has rules, for example, she's nine, she has rules where she can have dessert once a day. But if she comes in the middle of the day and she asks for something sweet and we say yes, then now 
in the middle of the day every day. It's, hey, do you mind if I have this? Do you mind if I have that? Is it okay if I have this? Even though she's supposed to have dessert after dinner, she'll ask for it, and that's where she's at right now. Because enough times we've said yes, especially in the Christmas season, that she'll ask for something sweet pretty much every day, even though the rule is after dinner, right? So what we're trying to do is teach people to be, and the rule only eat after dinner doesn't actually accomplish that, does it? If you only eat your dessert after dinner, that doesn't actually accomplish that. Because what will you be if you always only eat your dessert after dinner? You'll be a person who eats dessert after dinner every day. Is that, is that anything? Is there any great value in that? I mean, it'll restrain you from overeating dessert, but what if you eat a big dessert? What if you eat a whole chocolate cake, like 10 pieces after dinner? See, now you've eaten way too much. You've eaten your entire calories for the day. So it doesn't, it doesn't solve, rules don't get it done. God is not trying to teach us rules, okay? So we're going to the fork here. So you follow the big fat arrow down and you've got three possibilities. And I'm gonna start on the left, okay? And the first one is, uh, that big word there is betrayers. The big long line is betrayers. So these are betrayers of God or betrayers of Christ. Okay? And so who is the most famous betrayer of Christ? All right? So let's look at the night that Judas betrayed Jesus. There was a dinner, and you can find it in Matthew chapter 26. Okay? And I'm going to read for verse 20 to 25. Now when evening if uh, when evening had come, he was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. And being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better it would have been good for that man if he had not been born. And Judas, who was betraying him, he was in the act of doing Judas had already made the arrangements, right? Who, who was betraying him, answered and said, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. And he said to him, You have said it yourself. Notice that the betrayers right here fit in. And that's your other two little blanks. They fit in. They all do the same thing. They all say, Not I, Lord, right? So it's betrayers fit in across that middle side of three blanks. Not I, Lord, right? They all said, not I. Every one of them, even those who it wasn't them. And Judas, who it was. And every one of them showed that they were saddened, that he would even say that, that one of them was going to betray him. They're like, oh, man, that's terrible. You say that. Well, how could it possibly be that one of us 12 would betray you? That's terrible. And even to the point of acting out the rituals of remembrance. They were at his essentially last supper, right? And so he was handing them the food. They were passing it. They were talking. They were being polite. Everything was going on. The rituals of remembrance were happening even for those who were betraying him and those who weren't. And in Judas's case, even while in his heart, he had already taken the bait. He was already hooked. He was already going after it. The money had been offered. He made the agreement. All he had to do was betray Jesus. And yet, he was saying, not I. And he was saying, oh man, I'm sad that you would even think so. And he was in, taking part in the dinner together, which, by the way, that dinner was sort of representative of the, of the Lamb of God. It was representative of the one who would be sacrificed for the sins of mankind. 
Okay, so the betrayers fit in. So the problem with that is then you have to ask yourself, could you be a betrayer? So, so far we've filled in the blanks where it says missing directions on the top left. And then we've filled in betrayers fit in. This is the problem, betrayers fit in. So now we're going to follow the, arrow, the, the fat arrow down so we're staying to the left. Okay. And you see what looks basically like the front of a barn. Okay. Now, there are two stories in the Bible about the wheat and the tares. And if you can summarize these stories for me, then we don't have to go there and read the text. So who wants to give it a shot? Anybody want to give a shot at wheat and tares? Okay. How about uh, there's a farmer, and he has his servants go out and plant the field. He sends his servants out to plant the seed. And then the crop comes up, and what do they see? This part, so this is the easy question. Right, so there's weeds and wheat, both. So he sees there's both. And they say to him, well, yeah, eventually what do we do? The first thing they say is, did you buy bad seed? Right, remember where we started this whole conversation? Missing directions, right? So we're accusing God of not giving us enough information which leads us to taking the bait, right? So now here we go, they go, oh, did you buy bad seed? Because we planted it and the wheat came up, but a bunch of weeds came up too. And then he says, no, the seed's fine. He said, and they say to him, somebody said, what do we do? So we go up and tear out, we'll go tear out all the weeds, right? We're sorry, we planted it and, and all these weeds came up, so we'll go tear out all the weeds. And the, the master says, what? Say it again. Yeah, it was an enemy who sowed the weeds. And what should they, should they go tear all the weeds up? Anybody? Okay, he says, no, don't go tear all the weeds up. And then it's because they're all, it, the roots of the weeds are intertwined with the, with the wheat. And if you tear up the weeds, you'll tear up the wheat. That's what he said. He said, so don't do that. Don't go tear up the weeds, because if you do, you're going to mess up the field. You're going to tear up the good stuff too, right? So, and then, so he says, then Wait until the harvest is ready. And then we'll harvest the weeds and we'll harvest the wheat. Now what are they going to do with the wheat when they harvest it? The paper is a clue. Eventually, yep, you're going to take it into the barn. Right? He says take it into the barn. And then he said, and what are we going to do with the weeds? Also a clue on the paper. Burn them. Burn them, right? Yeah. And so uh, the other story is very similar. Does anybody know it? Okay. Bottom line is this. God will sort when judgment comes. If anybody wants to read those uh, later, I can give you the references. Okay. God will sort when judgment comes. Do you have blanks for the references next to your barn? I'm going to give you the references now then. That's good. Matthew 13, 24 to 30. And Matthew 13, 36 to 43. So you notice that, the, by the way, that there are similarities between wheat and tares. Have you ever heard that? If you look at a tear before, before wheat comes in, before the wheat becomes fully harvestable, it looks a lot like a tear. They look very similar. Okay. Then once the wheat grows, 
you can walk up and take the lead. You can actually take the kernels like this with your hands off the top of the lead. You won't get much, but you can take it out. You can pop it right in your mouth and eat it. But there's nothing on tears that you do that with. It's just you just drop seed, drop wheat. It's weeds, right? And they spread really, really fast. Okay. So with people, have you noticed that the Bible says, and it's true, that all humans have sin? So we're all alike. We all have sin, right? Even after getting saved, usually you can see the sin in people's lives. So there's sin. And then in the church, all people profess to be in the kingdom. We all say, I'm part of the kingdom, right? And then if you're a betrayer, you're actually a tear, not wheat. And then he says, in the end, I'm going to harvest it all, and I'm going to burn the betrayers. I'm going to burn the tares. And I'm going to let those who are not betrayers, I'm going to bring them into the barn. So that's what that's all about. And then it's clear in the story that we, we summarized, it's not our job to sort. But while this is true, that bait is dangerous because there's a hook on the back end of it and it'll get you hooked, right? Whose job is it to see to it that you don't take the bait? Say it again. God. It's God's job. And God has already provided you with everything you need to make sure that happens, which means if you now do it, you're culpable. Understand? So if you know what to do, or if God would lead you to, to do the right thing, either way, and you do the wrong thing, you're culpable. You're a betrayer. You went after the bait. Okay? Back up. Go back up to the fork there. And in the box is the word bait. So the middle prong of the arrows is the word bait. And notice that then there is an arrow that goes down to betrayers fit in. So if you started with missing directions and either you went straight to betrayers fit in or if you go down and you go through bait to betrayers fit in, either way, you could arrive in this room tonight studying this word tonight, talking about this thing tonight and actually be a betrayer. You could actually be somebody who has been hooked by someone or something that you want that basically is deadly. It's ungodly. So you have to ask yourself, are there things that I want more than following God? Are there things that I want more than letting God work through me? Because <clears throat> if there are, then you're in danger because at some point in time, you'll be going after those things while God is trying to do something else. And heaven forbid that you arrive at the end of the road and you're going after those things when Jesus says, come on, let's go. Because you'll be hooked and you won't get to go. Now, uh, you have a fishing pole in the middle there and I put some examples. I should probably just compare these and I don't know where the blanks are. There we go. I put some examples of uh, things that you could get hooked on, and you'll notice that one of the little tags there is empty. And that's for you. What is yours? You put in the box, what's your potential temptation? What could hook you? It's, it's hooked into the last word in. So it says, betrayers fit in, and then there's a hook on the end, and there's a box, and there's a line, and you can put something in that box 
that's your temptation. If I, had to, if I had to do it today, I'll just tell you, probably my temptation is anger or frustration. That's what it's been recently. That's been my struggle. I get frustrated. I get angry when things are not going right. What's yours? It can be entertainment. It can be TV. I've got examples already in the box. It could be the name of a person. You could be pursuing somebody that's not Jesus. Right? And you put something in there. Okay. But notice... From missing directions, there's a big fat arrow around to the right. We're making great progress. Big fat arrow around to the right. Because the goal is for God to teach us or show us or walk with us as we learn what to be. Not what to do. Your mom or your dad or your police officer or your teacher, they're going to teach you what to do. Right? The rules, the governors, right? They're going to teach you what to do. You drive down the phone. Now, in Ohio, if you drive down the road texting on your cell phone, you can be pulled over by a police officer and given a ticket. Because in Ohio, it is not acceptable by law to do that. All right? Now, you have to make a choice whether or not you're going to do that. And if you do it and they pull you over, you may get a ticket. And then you do it again later, they pull you over, you may get another ticket. And ultimately, you could get in pretty big debt and maybe lose your vehicle and a bunch of points in your license. I don't even know what the actual penalties of it are. But the bottom line is you can get all kinds of trouble. And you could have an actual accident, right? If you're texting while driving, it does create a distraction. But also, man, a cell phone can sure be a hook. It's very tempting, right? A text comes in while you're driving to read it very temp or to, to re respond real quick. So the bottom line is... Um, there are a lot of people in place, and I, and I might be one of those. I try not to teach people what to do. I'm not try, most of the time, I'm not trying to teach. And my family is different. Obviously, I'm required to teach my children and folks like that on a personal level. But as a pastor, I shouldn't be teaching you what to do. I should be teaching you what to be, right? When I talk about giving and serving, and I say you should give and serve, what I mean is you should be a servant. The greatest amongst you shall be your servant. That's what God said, Jesus said. All right, and so the top blank in the box then is B, B-E. I did capitals because it's important, but you can do it however you want. The top blank is B. So some examples of things that then God has given us to teach us what to be are, we talked about this already, and I, I'm going to give them in the order that I would have listed them, but that's not in the order of importance or anything, prayer, right? So you're with God, talking to God, listening to God. You should be praying, and it really ought to be pray every time anything happens. It's the starting point of every conversation, every train of thought, every research, everything you do. It ought to be prayer, right? We pray before we eat because we're grateful for our food, but we don't pray before we talk to people because I guess we're not grateful for them, right, or whatever. No, be grateful, and if you realize what God's doing, then pray all the time. Every time it pops in your head. When I was uh, doing the youth group back at East Toledo um, nearly over 20 years ago, um, one, there was a guy in there who was struggling with uh, anger and frustration, and, I, and I, I learned about popcorn prayers. I don't know if you know what a popcorn prayer is or not, but basically it's where you, you realize all of a sudden that you have a problem and you jump right into prayer just like that. You just go, okay, God. You know, and you turn away from whatever it is you're paying attention to right now, whatever's, whatever your focus is, whatever you're struggling with, and just start praying, right? And you realize, like, I had to stop working on the pipe. There's no water on in my house right now. We have no water. I had to stop working on the pipe to finish up my lesson because that's important, right? So it, what's important to you? 
If you start getting frustrated, angry, struggling, trying to solve a problem, have you prayed? And I would suggest that you should at least do it. And I would suggest that you should try to stay in a state of prayer while you're dealing with whatever, whatever significant problem you are because that's how God will teach you what it is you're supposed to be in that circumstance. right? Because he's there. He is with you. Prayer. And then the Bible. And I generic this one, the Bible. right? So reading, study, memorization, meditation, application. right? It's all Bible intake and usage. So you read the Bible, uh, and the more you read it or have it read to you, if you're using the Bible app, listening to it, which is, by the way, is not as good as reading it in your own eyes, but it's, it's still good. It's better than not doing it. But reading, study. It becomes study when you write something down. You're doing study about Scripture right now, right? So you're taking notes on a worksheet. You don't always have a worksheet. You can make worksheets for yourself. You can outline things for yourself. There was a lady who had a third grade education who undertook to rewrite the whole Bible in her own handwriting. She didn't understand what many of the words meant, and she just copied over the exact spelling. And I think that's a noble pursuit. I wouldn't quite call that study if you don't, if you don't understand it, but she was writing down the Word of God and getting it in her. Right? If you get the Word of God in you, it'll be available to you when you need it to do whatever it is you're trying to do why? Because you'll be being whatever it's teaching you to be. And then when something happens, you'll know what to do. Giving and service, right? And I, put, I lump those things together on the next line, giving and service. Giving is when you give something you have, money, whatever, whatever it might be. And you give it, and you give it with no strings attached. It's not a loan. Right? And you, or if it's a loan, you say, if I don't ever get it back, I'm not going to hold it against you. I would like to get it back, but if, but if I can't, I can't, whatever. Here it is. Giving. We know what that is. Service. Service is when you do something for somebody else. It may be they could completely do it for themselves. In fact, kind of that's the best time. When they could do it for themselves, and you do it for them instead of letting them do it for themselves. Well, I got it. I got it. No, I already took care of it. Service. Right? And that is a tool where God is teaching you how to be, who to be. We're going to be like Jesus. Jesus was a servant. We're going to be like God. God is a servant. right? Work. Man was created to work. And we are going to work. One, two, three, four, five. Counting my lines real quick. One, two, three, four. Okay. Encouraging others. Encouraging others. That was on the next line. So God is the extreme encourager. He creates things in people's lives and they're always positive, always loving, always kind, always gentle. right? And when you're going the wrong way, he will as gently as possible try to steer you back on course. But having failed to do that, he will, if he has to. God is good. Encourage others. And then the last thing is... Christ, not me. And this is the hardest one of all. The goal is for Jesus to live through you. It actually says in 2 Corinthians 5 that we now live for the one who died for us. Right? He brought you back to life so that he can live through you. And as you pursue to do that, you will wait for it, not take the bait. The last four blanks are don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. 
I'm going to read one last reference to you. Now, your list of B things may not be exactly the same as mine, but they all have to be from God, if you will. And as he is teaching you to be those things, then when the bait comes along and looks good, you'll say, no thank you. You won't have time to worry about one of these other activities interfering with what it is that God is trying to do because you'll be busy doing what it is that God is trying to do. Okay, And so it's 1 John 2, 19-23. I already gave you the reference there. 1 John 2, 19-23. And the blanks are, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. 1 John 2, 19-23. And it says... They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out in order that it might be shown that they are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. Bottom line is, it starts at the top. There are missing directions. I'm just going to be playing with you. God is not going to tell you everything you need to do. It's not going to happen. If you came to Christ so that Jesus could tell you every single thing you need to do every moment of your day, you came for the wrong reason. You're looking for a controller. You're looking for somebody to protect you from any mistake. Somebody, whatever, it's not going to happen. He will walk with you, right? You ever take your kid to the store or a friend to the store or whatever, and you got to get something, and they're getting something, and they're going to go one way, and you're going to go the other way, and they start to head off to the bread aisle, even though they said they were going for milk. And you're like, hey, uh, do you run up to them real quick and grab their arm and say, that's the bread aisle. Go to the milk kind of grab them by the waist and shove them toward the dairy department? No. You say, uh, didn't you say you were getting milk? Yeah, I said I was getting milk. Well, that, you're going toward the dairy aisle. I mean, you're going toward the bread aisle, not the dairy aisle. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then they, right? You don't run over and grab them by the waist and shove them toward the dairy department. That's crazy. Right? That's not how we work. If you're with somebody and you care about them, they start to go off course, then they say, hey, wait a minute. Don't go off course. And that's what God does for us. The Antichrist shows you what you want to see so that you'll go after it. It's bait. Then you're hooked. Now you're a betrayer, not truly with God, not becoming like God. You can still act like the, the things you're supposed to be. You can still come to church. You can still read your Bible. You can still do things, but you're not being anything but a betrayer. So, it happens then, usually, that the betrayers go out. That's what usually happens. They make themselves known. They step out of their... They get mad because somebody said something they didn't like. Right? Or they throw a fit because things didn't go the way they wanted. You know? Or it, was, it lasted too long. Or it was too loud. Or, and the list just goes on and on of all kinds of reasons why they have decided that this is not for them anymore. 
And the reason, the real reason is because they had already become a betrayer. Now, I'm not judging anybody's salvation. That's not my job. But the real reason, according to Scripture, is that that person had already decided that there was a way that they wanted to go. They had taken the bait. They were already hooked. And now this is their opportunity to stop their own hypocrisy. Stop pretending to be what they're not. Right? And then they go out. That's what John was talking about. They went out because they were not really of us anyway. And now it's become obvious. And the Antichrist is against what God says. So you've got people in the world, for example, right now, and I'm not trying to get political in any way, shape, or form, or whatever, says that the church should be open and affirming and support all lifestyles, and that we should be pro-abortion because it's women's rights, and all, all kinds of things like that. And they'll tell you all kinds of things about why you should be a certain way, right? Uh, I, we, there's a lady who said, that uh, said, you, you can't be overweight and be a Christian, right? You can't wear skirts and be a Christian. You're like, all these things, right? This make it look a certain way, right? And that person that's trying to make it look a certain way probably isn't even a Christian themselves. The standard is, will you learn to be the kind of person that Jesus is making you to be the question is, bait or no bait? And I told you up in the upper right-hand corner, God does not bait. The Word says God does not tempt. God empowers us to pursue Him. He places in our hearts the desire to pursue Him. He gives us with enough information to pursue Him. Yes, there are missing directions. For the same reason that God allows the deceiver, the world, our flesh, to offer up the bait, free will. So that by the end, all will know the answer to the question, do you love him? When you stand before him and are required to bow on one knee, when you are required to bend your head, will you do so in anguish and frustration or will, will you do so out of gratitude and love for him? Because all knees will bow and all tongues confess. And will you bow your knee and confess him because you love him? If you love him, then you are filled by his love and you do not need the bait. Hungry fish eventually bite. Every fisherman knows. But the fish that are full, that have eaten well, they're not going to take the bait. So fill your life with the things of God and you won't have to worry about the bait. When people come by and they say, well, let's go do this. You can say, no, no, that's not what God would want me to do. That's not the person. And, and it isn't even that. And I make that mistake a lot. We shouldn't say, that's not what God would want me to do. We should say, that's not the kind of person God is making me into. Right? I know who I am in Christ. And I don't need whatever, drugs, sex, entertainment to be whole. I don't need praise. I don't need any of that that the world is offering me if I'll do what they want me to do because I'm okay in God. God's got me. And I'm all full up. And in that sense, you can say to the Antichrist, there's no room at the end.